Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Zamora and Max Mello. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the One Good Scare podcast. I'm Natalie Zamora, joined here per usual by Max Mallow, and we have a special guest today. We have Maddie Lennon from Fansided with us. She runs our sites, 1428 Elm, and Show Snob. She's also a fellow True Blood fan, which is what we're going to be talking about in this episode. So welcome, Maddie. Nice to have you on the show. Hi, guys. Yeah, Maddie, welcome. Uh, we are super excited to talk about, uh, I guess, combine Natalie and I's favorite show together. There's probably yeah. not much else when it comes to TV that we agree on. No, not of, co- uh, of course not. We uh, have very similar tastes. Um, but True Blood is a show both of us uh, cherish near and dear to our heart and a show that definitely staked us in the heart because it ended so terribly. But all of those memories from watching the first couple seasons all the way through really five um, is when I think it peaked uh, is uh, they're, they're still there. They're still prevalent and super mm-hmm. excited to talk about specifically the pilot today. Uh, hopefully possibly in the summer, we can kind of do a full retrospective on the series considering that there's talks of a reboot coming out. And I still think the first five seasons of that show hold up uh, amazingly well compared to uh, just all vampire uh, media that we have uh, at our disposal. So, agree. Now that we've talked about it, Maddie, give us your a little bit of your background when it comes to your your love for True Blood. Yeah, so um, I didn't watch True Blood right at the very beginning, but I remember my best friend at the time, and like my mom and my sister, they were all super into it, and so they were like, "You have to watch the show." So I got into it. I think it was right between the first and the second season and like just totally binged through the first season, like, you know, in a few days. And then I read all the books and got like super into it. And it's, I think it, it's probably my favorite vampire show. Um, vampire Diaries is pretty far up there too, but True Blood was like special because it's, it's like the perfect summer show. And I really don't think that we've had a summer show that's like on that level since then. Yeah, I agree, especially in the same genre. Uh, I nearly am in like the same timeline when I joined the series. My best friend Nick loved it for the first two seasons. It was like, you have to watch this. He handed me the box sets on DVD. He was like, (laughs) watch these. Yeah. And then I I think I borrowed a box set too. (laughs) And I was like, this box art looks awesome. I'm going to watch it. Um, Obviously, Growing up as a, an X-Men fan, I loved Anna Paquin as Rogue, so I already had mm-hmm. some some familiarity with her there. But then, of course, I fell in love with, with Stephen Moyer and, and Alexander Skarsgård, and, and the entire cast uh, is just amazing, uh, despite some of the writing not playing to most of the character's <laughs> strengths as the season goes on. Um, but yeah, going back and watching the pilot now, it's so funny watching that compared to how the show ended and just so... Like right. how far it came off of the rails, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be really exciting to talk about. I tried the books, Natalie. Did you try the books? I tried them one summer, and I was just so mm-hmm. like, this is not a shot at Charlene Harris at all, obviously, because she created the source material. But I was like, this is not how the show did it. <laughs> I was, I, I was, well, I was first, in that camp. The first book is is pretty is pretty accurate to the show, but then right. after that, it totally goes in its own direction. Right. There's mm-hmm. one. The one major change, I believe, is that. Tara dies, or no, Lafayette dies. Uh, no, Lafayette. Tax- yeah, yeah, Lafayette. Yeah, he dies in the taxi. The yeah. Which, thank God that he didn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember. Really one of my favorite characters. I know, me too. I remember I got, I like took out the first book from the library <laughs> one summer and I started reading it and I liked it, but for some reason I just never finished it. So I don't know what that's mm-hmm. about me, but I just never read it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not as big of a fan of the books anymore. I tried to like reread them a little mm-hmm. bit ago, not too long ago, and I wasn't quite as into them now. But I think there's something a little. The show just heightens everything about the books. Mm-hmm. For sure, and obviously the the show was uh, the showrunner was Alan Ball, who did a great job. And then once he kind of uh, took a back seat, and that's really when it it started to fall off. But I still love it. We're gonna have a great time talking about the pilot today. Uh, and Maddie, since you're joining us now, it is time for a special segment that we begin every show, which is called the weekly horror news roundup, where Natalie here scours the internet for everything you need to know when it comes to horror news. And that's not as you know, there's probably some stuff out there but these are all the important things everyone needs to know uh the first thing which is a show that ran parallel on a different network i believe to true blood at times i didn't finish at the same time or start Mm -hmm. but this i believe is natalie's favorite show of all time which is dexter and there's news that john lithgow is actually going to return for a cameo as a trinity killer in the revival of dexter so natalie have the floor just go ahead and talk about how much you love this I do love Dexter, but the ending also, I didn't hate the ending ending as much as other people did. I'm curious what you thought, Maddie, but um, I'm excited for the revival and spoiler alert, Max, I don't know if you're ever going to watch the show, but the Trinity killer dies. So that's why everyone's like, how the hell is he coming back? It says cameo. So I'm wondering if they're going to do some type of cop out of like a flashback or something stupid just to like hype people up. But I'm interested. That's definitely um, it. How do you yeah. feel about this news, Maddie? Um, I'm excited. I actually did not watch the end of Dexter oh. yet. I mean, I do want to watch it all at some point. I know it happens though. Already, yeah. that's already been spoiled. But <laughs> um, I have the whole thing like on box set or whatever. I just I haven't. I want to sit and like watch the whole thing over from beginning to end. But I did love season four, and I love the Trinity Killer. He was definitely like Dexter's most formidable opponent i feel mm-hmm. yeah I, i'm assuming it'll just be like a like a dream sequence or a quick flashback i'm kind of curious if you might have a if maybe the trinity killer has a connection to uh the new character clancy brown and maybe that's why it's in a flashback but mm-hmm. i guess we'll see i need to watch dexter i tried the first season i was just like this isn't true blood and i literally stopped watching it <laughs> even though they're completely different genres but yeah, it's definitely different tone. For sure. I, I need to give it a try one day, <laughs> maybe, just to indulge It is Natalie. really good. It's not my favorite show. I think I like True Blood more, but I do really love Dexter. Is, um, it, is it your favorite serial killer show? Probably, yeah. Because I can't think of another one that's not like American Horse or something. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, Maddie, I don't know if you, Natalie has an obsession with serial killer movies and shows, so... Oh, I do too. <laughs> okay, perfect. You two are a perfect Although, for each other. It's not can, weird, Max. It's yeah, not weird. I can dip out of the podcast and you guys can 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 uh, take it over from here. Um, so yeah, the Trinity Killer coming back, probably, we're assuming, in some kind of flashback considering that he is dead, and I know that now, so spoiler warning. Um, the next piece of news, two trailers, one of which Natalie and I watched a hundred times at least, uh, is the trailer for the sequel to the 2018 Halloween reboot uh, with Halloween Kills. And obviously, if you guys haven't seen that one, another spoiler alert, it ends on a little bit of a kind of cliffhanger, uh, even though we all knew that there were going to be more movies produced after that. So we kind of assumed that the ending with Michael Myers burning uh, alive in a house wasn't going to be how he, he went out on the big screen. And the trailer shows exactly how he's going to survive uh, with our three uh, protagonists again in the back of that pickup truck uh, kind of driving away from a burning house just being like yeah okay it's it's gone that house is going to burn and some firefighters are just headed right towards the house because that's what firefighters do they go to put out fires and they're screaming no don't put out that fire which I thought was hilarious Um, but the trailer gives us a whole breakdown of what to expect from the sequel uh, there's a little bit of kind of uh, some hospital vibes in the same way that the original Halloween 2 uh, had mm-hmm. way back when. But the main thing to take away from this trailer, other than the fact that it's going to be awesome just from the looks of it, is that the gore and Michael Myers is going to go on a massive killing spree. And it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I cannot wait for this one. I'm so excited. The trailer, obviously awesome, super badass. I'm 
I'm very optimistic about it because I feel like this series could obviously get very stale very fast, but with how great the 2018 one was and how like original it was and there were a bunch of, you know, twists and things like that, that I, I feel confident that this will also deliver something new. Yeah. And I think, I think they are going back to the same, it's the same hospital from Halloween too, I believe. Although it might be a different set, but I still mm. like Haddonfield uh, Memorial. I remember awesome. reading a few articles about about that before. Yeah, trying to keep some line of canon in the <laughs> right the multiple <laughs> universes they have in that franchise, which we've talked about before on this episode uh, or on this podcast rather. But uh, again, it looks. I mean, Blumhouse has been hitting it out of the park recently the past couple of years happy death day was awesome uh both the original and the sequel and then this 2018 reboot real i feel like for a new generation is introducing them to uh, such an iconic character as michael myers and the the first one in this line didn't have crazy gore it had some some good scenes and some good moments but I hope this trailer hasn't given everything away. And I don't mm-hmm. think it did because there's a lot of it in there. There's like, he's stabbing a woman in the neck with a fluorescent light bulb and uh, using a, a giant, I guess, fireman's ax or something and impaling him. And awesome. All of that. Just give me all of that. And uh, what's uh, the dot? Andy Matichuk, I believe is her, is her name. Um, just give her all the screen time and let her, become a, an awesome star in the same way that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis did from Halloween because she was great in the first one and she looks to have a even more prominent role in this one along with mm-hmm. Judy Greer. And that that trio of, of women is is awesome. And then do the, the last one, Halloween ends, and then boom, stardom. Um, so yeah, that's Halloween Kills. And the second one is for in a movie that I feel like if people have seen it, they really, really like it. And they didn't know a sequel is coming, but maybe they're happy it is coming now, which is a sequel to Don't Breathe, uh, simply called Don't Breathe 2. So, Natalie, Maddie, were you guys fans of the first one? And are you excited for a second one? I was. Um, I, I liked the first one, but I really like Jane Levy. And I guess there's like a little bit of drama now between her and the director. She tweeted something about it earlier, I guess, that... Um, he didn't ask her back for the second movie or it, some kind of strange quote that I was reading earlier, but I'm not entirely sure how I feel about a sequel. I mean, I'll watch it, but I don't know if I, I guess I'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Agreed. I like the first one, but I also, like, I don't see the need for a second one. I feel like it's going to be the same thing again, but just not as good. So right. I don't know. It I don't also, need it. Yeah. I also kind of got the vibe that they're like making um, the blind man, Stephen Lang's character into this like hero almost. In the mm-hmm. movie. And based on the first one, I was like, yeah, I'm not into that. <laughs> but I guess, I mean, I'm trying to reserve judgment until I see it. <laughs> yeah, that definitely is what the trailer seems like. It's like, you know, this guy's yeah. going to like save, save the girl or, you know, fight back. Right. <laughs> I'm like, did we all watch the same movie? Like, did we watch what happened in the first one? Or Everyone's a bad guy. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how I feel. I'm, I'm with you. I'll watch it just because it's a horror movie. I'll watch it, but exactly. not high hopes. Dylan Minnette was in that one too, right? Wasn't he in the first one? Yeah. yeah. I can't believe you wouldn't ask Jane. Like, we've already sung Jane Levy's praises multiple times yeah. on the show for yeah. the Evil Dead reboot. Uh, which we both just absolutely loved. Probably one of the best remakes slash reboots of all time. That's uh, one of my favorite movies, yeah. So good. So uh, that sucks that she's not going to be back for this one. But yeah, I mean, for all of our listeners, go check out the first one because I don't want to say it's like a cult favorite because it's definitely not like small and unnoticed, but it was really popular right. and the people who saw it really, really liked it. So Yeah, it got this, a lot of acclaim. Yeah, hopefully the sequel isn't just a money grab. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's our weekly hard news roundup. Let us know, of course, what you're most excited for. Is it for some kind of cop out cameo uh, from the Dexter revival or one of the two trailers? Of course, I think uh, Natalie and I are going to go with Halloween Kills just because 
Uh, and Maddie, you're you're coming along for this ride as well because this <laughs> yeah. this movie is going to slap 100. <laughs> um, but yeah, now it's time to talk about True Blood and specifically the pilot. Like we said, um, True Blood is one, all of our uh, one of our favorite shows, and deservedly the the pilot deserves its own episode for the podcast because. It came out 13 years ago now. Uh, it'll be 13 years uh, this September. And it's a show that has a lot of elements from not only vampire culture, but just from things that are really prevalent in the world now. Um, some great representation as well that the characters uh, have become some of my most favorite in all of television. Um, most notably Lafayette, of course, um, who doesn't get really rolling as a character until later in the season once he gets um, involved with... I can't forget his name. The Brujo. Yeah. Oh, uh, what's his name? Um, Jesus. Jesus. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and his whole uh, journey into witchcraft and and how that kind of gets involved into the universe. Because at a point, this show just throws anything supernatural that you want, and it's just like here you go. Uh, in the same way that Vampire Diaries very much did, because I love Vampire Diaries as well. Um, and there's a lot of comparisons to draw and be like, yeah, Vampire Diaries is the, the PG slash PG-13 <laughs> of True Blood's R slash like X rating content. Um, but yeah, uh, the pilot introduces us to one of the best uh, female protagonists of all time, which is Suki Stackhouse, in my opinion, and yeah. her love interest, Stefan Moyer, um, who plays Bill Compton. And ironically enough, they ended up getting married in real life from the show, which is awesome. Um, and it, it tells the tale of of Sookie's life in Bonton, Louisiana. And in this world, vampires are, as they say, out of the coffin. They are real. The world acknowledges them. And it's all because of a special drink called True Blood, which allows vampires to drink a synthetic form of blood so they don't have to feast on humans but of course there's vampires they're going to feast on humans one way or the other um and this episode natalie and i were talking before we started recording maddie is that this season is so much more grounded compared to where the show goes and it focuses specifically on the relationship between the human world and the vampire world and kind of in the same way that other popular vampire media from the time did with like twilight and vampire diaries and such but the unique thing about True Blood was that it told you that vampires were real and that people knew vampires were real. There was no glowing in the sunlight, sparkly diamonds, Robert Pattinson, we love you now, but you know. Um, and Vampire Diaries did the same kind of thing. Like Stefan and Damon uh, were, nobody knew they were vampires. Everybody knows right. in this universe that they're vampires. And I think that was my favorite aspect of this first season was that whole dynamic yeah, and seeing how people adapted to it. Yeah, and I love the time period that they start out with. Like the opening scene is so good. I completely forgot about it until I watched it last night. But just opening the show up with, you know, vampires are out, everyone knows it, but it's like right in the beginning still. So some people are denying it, some people are scared, some people are very interested and in showing just the way that people react, of course. <laughs> I want to say like in the South, but it's like, is it racism? Like it's whatever it is, prejudice towards vampires. Um, it's just so, so interesting to see that. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm obsessed with like everything Southern Gothic and True Blood is like basically the pinnacle of Southern Gothic media, at least in the past, you know, decade or so. For sure. And especially so I love that vibe. Yeah. with, um, with Eric's bar, I feel like, the gothic mm-hmm, theme right. is set there. It's kind of gotten away from later in the later in the show, but him and, and Godric and their relationship, uh, and overall the relationship between all of the vampires and their makers in the show is super super interesting, and uh, in how the lore kind of develops as the season goes on. But but Natalie's right; it's hilarious how it begins because you're in a truck stop, uh, like a convenience store. And this this uh, this truck driving vampire, I believe it was a truck driver, um, or whatever, or whoever he was, but he's yeah. got a, a trucker cap on. And what does he say? He's like, "I'll suck your blood." What does he say or something? He says something super corny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you're allowed to cuss on a podcast. I know. Yeah, I was like, it was definitely something very inappropriate. Yeah, no, because I quoted it right after because it was like one of those things that like sticks in your head. 
for yeah. sure. It's it sets the tone um, in terms of the world that everyone's living in, and right. of course, you get the best intro to a show ever. This is a never an opening yeah. you skip. Uh, yeah, does I think HBO Max offers that option. So yeah, yeah, never <laughs> click that. Listen to it. You have yeah. to listen to it every single time you watch an episode of the show because it it's just that good, and the imagery uh, that's displayed throughout it is amazing. Um, but yeah, uh, we can. Um, Kind of dive into the whole pilot because there's so much. Well, the other thing I yeah, yeah the other thing I was going to say about that opening scene at the truck stop is I love how they flip the script and immediately tell you what kind of show this is going to be because you think that the guy with the long hair and he's got the accent and he's pretending to be a vampire mm-hmm. and he's pretending to be like the stereotypical version of what we think a vampire is, and then of course it's like the truck the trucker with the camo that ends up being a vampire. <laughs> I love it. It was an awesome yeah. little bit of a subversion. Um, also, also, I always like seeing Jessica Stroop pop up, which because I always like her in nine hundred two one zero, and she's been in a couple other things. And I'm always like, oh yeah, I forget she's the, she's the girl in the opening. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing I like about the pilot too is there's so much foreshadowing to the yeah. story that is going to get told eventually. Yeah, that was what I was just telling Max up earlier, too. I was yeah. like, there's so many things that, I mean, I've watched the pilot a bunch of times, but since I haven't watched it in, in years now, I was watching it last right. night. I was like, oh, I know what that means, but nobody else yep. does. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. You have to think, I mean, obviously, of course, the first season is following the book super closely, but I'm wondering just like mm-hmm. how far in advance they planned the seasons out, especially the later ones that aren't the best it's like was it a game of thrones situation where they kind of just did it on the fly or did they yeah. really have like their master map set out i don't know i feel like they definitely were already knew what Suki was like that she was going to be a fairy and everything mm-hmm. that they were going to follow that because obviously you have the part where like the chains wrap around rat um max 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 name one of the rat rays and it's oh, like yeah. telepathically um choking him I remember people like a lot of everyone went crazy over that like when it aired and they're like what is what happened there was that like an, a, a mistake or mm-hmm. did those chains really move on their own yeah it's yeah awesome. i mean i wish her character that arc was was done a little bit better in the show i i think that's yeah. one of the, the worst parts uh, of how they kind of fumbled it towards the end was that her her fey powers kind of became irrelevant compared to how important they were in the first half of the show. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember that I was like, what is that? And then when it finally got revealed, I was like, this is keep going, just keep going. And then it, uh, like the rest of the show, it got fumbled, but yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, the, the show also just introduces us to the best fictional restaurant ever. Uh, yeah. In my opinion, <laughs> which is Merlot's. Um, obviously Suki works at Merlot's um, with her coworkers. Um, one of which Lafayette, who's the cook, uh, one of the the also one of the best TV show characters of all time, in my opinion. Uh, the mm-hmm. late uh, Nelson Ellis uh, portrayed him, yeah. and he was amazing. Uh, and he commands the screen whenever he's talking to whoever, or if he's the star of of what's going on in the episode. He was absolutely amazing. Yeah, he's a great actor. It makes me wonder how much of his stuff was improvised too. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like in the first in the in the first episode, he's not in it too too much, but the lines that he has, especially early on, it just draws you in. Like, all right, this is yeah. gonna be, you know, gory. It's gonna be sexy, and it's also gonna be super super funny too. So I think yeah. that was a great way to introduce him at the bar. Yeah, the campy the campy part of True Blood was definitely one of the biggest appeals to me. I think. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I mean, every, that's the best part, like one of the best parts about the characters is that I don't know if it was the writing or the directing, but it's like your character needs to be over the top, like explanatory of what your character is like and who your character is. And they're all all so unique in their own ways um, that they all bring something different to every scene that they're in and the whole development of the show. And Maybe it's like to its its detriment a little bit that they kind of had to give each character their own special thing to do when it comes to supernatural abilities. Like later in the show, turning Tara into a vampire. I didn't necessarily love that. 
and mm-hmm. her character arc and the way she dies is the worst thing ever in all of television outside of <laughs> Game of Thrones season eight. But, yeah. I I actually loved Tara's vampire arc. I didn't like her second death mm-hmm. because her second death was the permanent one and it was like totally ignored. Which totally. I thought yeah. was funny because the first time she dies and like Sucky is freaking out and gets her turned into a vampire, then when she actually dies like he's just like okay whatever <laughs> well gotta go <laughs> yeah. that was so glossed over i remember watching yeah. that live and being like wait what the hell and then it was like all right yep i guess everyone's life was just so messed yeah, up that was, that was just so crazy yeah it was just totally like nothing like I, I don't fully remember how they reacted but i remember it was like a non-reaction yeah it was off screen too her death was off screen yeah. which was so stupid but uh we're getting a little i love her and pam Yes, <laughs> like that. That relationship yeah, is great. Off, off topic. Oh, just yeah. We're going a little. We're going from the very beginning to the very end. But I mean, that's yeah, just that that's just natural. We we love the show uh, so yeah. much. But yeah, we can we can dive into the pilot uh, specifically. Um, now we gotta take our first break. Now. Yeah, let's take our first break and then let's get into more of. I want to talk about like the introductions of Suki, Sam. Um, Tara too, and Jason, they set up every character so well that by one episode, you knew exactly who they were. And that was awesome. So let's take our first break and we'll be right back. All right, cool. So like Max said, Sookie Stackhouse, she's one of my favorite characters just of all time. I think her introduction was perfect. She's obviously a troubled person because she can hear everyone's thoughts and i'm sure the first time watching the show everyone was like what the hell is that um much like everyone else in in the show and i love how they don't necessarily explain it it's just like this is who she is and no one else understands it either so it's like we'll find out sooner or later what's going on and she doesn't necessarily understand it either so i think that's awesome And I think too, um, you know, we see Sam right away, just like at at the bar, you can tell he's in love with her right away. He's gonna be the guy that's like trying to protect her. Also, (laughs) um, being introduced to Jason, uh, immediately hooking up with someone and he just gives (laughs) off the vibe that he's kind of a ditz. And I think it's just perfect the way that they introduced every character, like in the first half of the episode too. All right. One thing I, I love that I didn't quite notice before, but they really set up Sam's arc uh, of being a, a shapeshifter. Yeah. Like, really, really. Because obviously the dog comes in, and just once you've, like, watched so many movies and TV shows, you're like, obviously the dog has, there's something to it. Cause they're not just going to put a random dog in the show and then mm-hmm. be like, and have Sookie just be like, oh, he's just a random dog that hangs around at the bar. Like, mm-hmm. you know it's going to come back. At some, at some point in the season. So I love that they, they kind of spent that little scene in there. Same. I forgot it happened. And when it did, I was like right. looking at the screen, like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. Like, I know who that is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I think they do a really good job, too, of setting up, like, each of their desires that maybe are unrequited. Like, Sam loves mm-hmm. Cookie. Tara loves Sam. I mean, sorry, Tara loves Jason, and it's, like, always this, like, weird dynamic. Of course, Sookie is obsessed with Bill the second she sees him. I think it's interesting how they explore, like, those desires that everyone is kind of, I wouldn't say desperate, but everyone is, like, yearning for someone else that isn't really happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it makes it obvious why she is attracted to Bill right away, because it's Mm -hmm. quiet. And, you know, he when she's attuned to him, she doesn't have to listen to all the other noise. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to also just mention that um, with the uh, with the universe that they're creating, obviously at the time, you know, I think now knowing now what I do about like TV shows, movies, I would be able to point out like, hmm, that dog is interesting. Or it's really interesting right. that she can hear thoughts. But the show is still, and this episode specifically, very grounded in the relationship that humans have with vampires, both on the, the prejudice mm-hmm. side with with both sides um, having hate towards each other. And also uh, one of the, I guess, most interesting aspects of the show to me is V and how vampires' blood works as a, as a drug and also mm-hmm. yeah. uh, how... 
uh, other humans look down on uh, fangbangers, humans who sleep with vampires, and and that right. relationship in the show as well, uh, which ends up leading to the the climax of the episode at the end and, and leads us into our season and our relationship uh, with Sookie and Bill yep. specifically. But the rat rays are just like your stereotypical, like awful people that you want to hate in the first season. And you just know that some, they're going to do something bad. And when it happens, it comes off uh, like as a, a, you get so attached to Sookie and you're like, Oh no, please, mm-hmm. please. How are you going to get out of this? You got to get out of this. One thing that did like kind of bother me though, I was like, Sam is right there. Like he just went home. He lives yeah. right there. I was like, did he really not hear that going on? Like in the parking lot? I know. That's what I was thinking too. When I was watching, I was like, wait, Sam was right there. Right. Um, yeah. Maybe he just like turned into a dog and then just like sprinted away. I don't know what happened. <laughs> maybe his trailer is like soundproof or something. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and they also, both of you also mentioned the whole listening to uh, thoughts and, and her being a uh, telepathic, as we know mm-hmm. in the first episode. Um, and mm-hmm. and you get not only the element of seeing how she reacts to it and how it's affected her entire life uh, and how she's grown up as a person, uh, but also it establishes something very unique about her compared to other vampire media that had kind of come out at the time, right? Like with Elena in vampire diaries, she went to school with her friends and then Stefan and Damon arrived in town. And that's how the entire story kind of unfolds from there. And eventually I don't want to spoil vampire diaries. If you haven't seen it. (laughs) So go ahead uh, and watch it if you guys are interested. But uh, with twilight as well, Bella moves to a new town. She meets the Collins and that's how the story unfolds from there. Right. Sookie, has a super interesting uh, feature to her character and you want to know more and how uh, her power is going to help her later in the show. And it obviously very much becomes super important in the middle part of the show, but it's kind of just like teased here. It's like, Oh, she can do this. Find out in three seasons why this is important. (laughs) Well, it's the, it's the reverse of Twilight too, right? Because in Twilight, Edward can read minds, and Bella is the only person he can't. And then in True Blood, obviously, Sookie can read minds, and vampires are the only ones that she can't read, which I thought is interesting. Very true. And, but, and also, I also appreciate that True Blood is about adults, which is kind of a nice change yeah. too, because a lot of vampire fiction is like is teenagers. Agreed. Yes. Very true. But we also yeah. get that. That uh, that vampire tropes that we get when when Bill walks into Merlot's and he sits down, looking as yeah. grimy as ever. He never <laughs> looks like this again in the show. This man is dressing in three piece suits and, yeah. and and looking fly as hell for the rest of the show. He walks in, he's like, <laughs> "Take a shower, bro. Just do something." Um, and she's immediately drawn to him. And obviously, with the whole idea of the mind reading and being like, "Well, I can't read your thoughts. That, that's weird." Right. Um, and I love that instant dynamic because it, it it's kind of tropey, right? It's kind of like Dracula and, mm-hmm. and other vampire yeah. stuff, just being drawn to this mysterious force. Um, but I think what's awesome about it is that the universe tells you that this force isn't mysterious, so to say. Like vampires are a thing. Like yeah. people know it's not as mysterious as we would think it to be in a world like this. But she's still got this uh, extreme attraction to him, which uh, drives the show for multiple seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I like too about uh, True Blood is like, well, also I was going to say with the Bill thing, thing, he looked grimy. I was like, I, well, this is the pilot. So I wonder if they kind of uh, yeah. changed their approach to his character between the time that they shot the pilot and the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. And they decided like, actually he's going to not look like this. <laughs> Which is funny because I found him more attractive in the pilot than I did the rest of the show. <laughs> so I don't know what that says about me. yeah that's what i was i was telling max earlier too like he looks so different and i think he acts different too like he does a little bit very very flirty and like more of like a typical like or stereotypical i guess vampire of like kind of like flirty sexy like Mm -hmm. mysterious maybe scary closer to like an eric than well that's what i was wondering yeah, I wonder if they needed to change that to create more of the contrast between their characters, between Bill and Eric. Probably. Right. Which and, is... But, yeah, 
one of the things I was going to say that I really liked about True Blood is like in most vampire media, the vampires are like the top of the food chain. And they, I mean, they still are relatively in True Blood, but you get a lot of like, obviously Bill is put in danger immediately. And you also get the sense that people are really prejudiced against vampires and they face like a lot of discrimination. That's not really something other shows and stuff have get into as much. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point. I feel like it's more realistic not to be like a pessimist about our world or anything, but I think if vampires came out, um, a lot of people would hate them and not want them in their bar or in their restaurant, which is obviously unfortunate. But yeah, that's a good point. I think it's way more realistic this way. For sure. Uh, And you know, we also get the introduction to some other like fan favorite characters. You got a uh, Sheriff Bud Dearborn who's introduced. You got mm-hmm. Andy Belfleur who becomes much more prevalent later on the show. But you know, he plays this like detective guy. You know, his friends kind of don't take him too seriously because they all know mm-hmm. each other in such a small town in uh, in Bonton. Mm-hmm. But uh, I love Andy. Andy's one of my favorite characters on the show. Yeah, we also get a, like a mini Hoyt introduction, which is so just like mm-hmm. my heart is warm watching that. And um, Arlene, of course, who is a huge character, Renee, who proves to be a huge character yep. very soon. Um, and yeah, th- so much happens in this episode. Yeah. Just looking back once you know everything that happens. Another thing too. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, um, can we talk about, like, Gran? Because I love Gran. Yes. <laughs> she's just so sweet. And, like, I, I love how she, there's not, she's not discriminatory at all against mm-hmm. the vampires. I mean, she's immediately interested when Sookie tells her what happened. Also, she was reading a Charlene Harris book. Which yes. That's really fun. <laughs> I noticed that, too. That was so cute. Yeah, Gran, I feel like it's the perfect grandma, like, the one that you want, supportive of everything you do, feeds exactly. you, makes you iced tea <laughs> when it's hot out. <laughs> She's just like, can you invite him to my my Civil War meeting? <laughs> like, I love her. I know, so cute. And so he's like, well, he can't go out in daylight. Like, it's just the cutest thing. Um, yeah, I agree. Gran is one of the best characters <laughs> for sure. And it- and the dynamic, yeah. The di- oh, sorry, I was gonna say just the dynamic between her, Jason, and Sookie is great too. They really like mm-hmm. instant chemistry. Yeah, that's what I was gonna mention too. It's just like you can. Mm-hmm. see where Sookie's character uh, beliefs and ideals come from because mm-hmm. her, her grandmother uh, just exudes like positivity and happiness and, and not being judgmental uh, for, for Sookie. And then of course you got Jason who's just going around and sleeping with people. <laughs> as, as, but Jason's a troublemaker. That that's his, his, his character yeah. in the, in the first couple of seasons, which uh, you start to feel for because it's it's awesome to watch his character grow and go from mm-hmm. like kind of being aimless in life and not really having a purpose and and searching for that purpose mm-hmm. only to have the worst thing in the show happen in my opinion which is just yeah i hate that so much <laughs> yeah uh, also i think ryan Kwan deserves more credit as an actor because he is very good and he, i don't think his accent slipped like ever and he's australian so it's like crazy <laughs> agreed i remember learning that and i was like i can't do any accent how does an australian do a southern accent it just blows my mind he's and, a great actor and it's not just like a casual southern accent either because they they're all of them are very very southern so mm-hmm. it's like fully committed <laughs> yeah the the casting in the show can't be understated everyone yeah is amazing really like Anna Paquin, Stephen Moyer, Sam Trammell, uh, Rutina Wesley as, uh, as Tara. Uh, we already mentioned Nelson Ellis, uh, Carrie Preston is great as Arlene, uh, one mm-hmm. of Suki's best friends and coworkers, uh, at Merlots. And then like you mentioned, Ryan Quantin, who I only really mm-hmm. ever know from the dead silence movie. Dead silence. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jim Parrick as Hoyt. <laughs> Uh, again, like I could literally name everybody in the show and the casting is awesome. And, uh, they yeah. all, especially, um, Tara's mother, uh, Letty May yeah. uh, is yeah, so good at portraying her character. Yeah. I, I was sad. I'm always sad though, that we didn't get more of Dawn because I got attached to her character kind of early. I actually went as her for Halloween one year. Oh, that's um, cute. 
I yeah, like Lynn Coffey. Yeah, I always like Dawn. And then, but yeah, she only, I think she's only in like three episodes or something. Yeah, she, she bites the bullet pretty early on. Um, yeah. And to our, our main villain for the, the first season, which again, like we mentioned, is super, this season is super grounded. It, it's very simple right. in, in what it wants to tell and, and get across while also growing this massive universe that has at halfway through the season, vampires, werewolves, fairies, uh, shapeshifters, werepanthers, werewolves, mayonnaise, <laughs> like the, anything, <laughs> super, anything supernatural you can think of. True blood probably did it. Um, and <laughs> this shows main, the first season, uh, main villain is a human, which is, yeah. uh, super grounded compared to everything else. Right. Yeah. And his, his introduction is very, very unassuming. It's just yeah, very casual. He's just one of the guys you wouldn't expect anything from Renee. For sure. Um, trying to think what else happens in the pilot. <laughs> I know we've talked about so many spoilers for the show. We really deserve to, we, we, well, I guess, yeah, we, we owe it to ourselves to do a full season by season recap. Uh, right. on the show because there's so much that happens um yeah well i have a question i'm i'm just curious what you think so why do you think that the writers decided not to introduce eric in the pilot oh it's a good question natalie go ahead yeah i don't know i i didn't like think that he was in the pilot but after i watched it i was like oh damn there was no <laughs> there was no <laughs> my man <laughs> i think he comes in is it next episode or the one after? I don't know. It's, I mean, it's soon, but like, obviously he's such a main character. It's just curious. I'm wondering what the writers thought. I think it was a good decision not to introduce them in the pilot. Yeah. But I'm just curious what you think the writers might've been thinking. I know. Yeah. We were looking it up just before. I think it's not until episode four that he's introduced, which sounds crazy to me looking back because he's such a prominent character in the show. But yeah, I really wonder. I mean, it might have just been too much, too many things going on. He's obviously such a huge character with such a personality, such a presence. Yeah. Uh, he's amazing that I think it might have just been like oversaturated with vampires and things going on. Mm -hmm. I feel like, like Max was saying, they're super, super focused in this episode of like vampires versus humans and then Sookie and Bill. So right. I feel like it would have been too much, but I don't know if that's what the thought process was. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm going back to what Max said too about how um, it's like slowly introducing you into the universe. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it was like um, just branching out like every episode and obviously introducing Eric comes with a whole lot because then it <laughs> comes the bar and the fangbangers, which we only kind of talk about but we don't get really into the like fang banger culture until we go to eric and pam yeah hmm. i'm trying to think i think too like right now if i only watch the first episode obviously it's hard to tell because i know everything but from the first episode alone you get so invested in sookie and bill like i'm rooting for them yeah. so hard in the first episode that i feel like if eric and his whole story was part of it it would have taken away from that that like right. relationship which is interesting when you compare it to like the vampire guys because yes they focus on stefan and elena but then they also introduce damon like right away hello brother <laughs> as he says as he <laughs> opens the door he's just like oh, yep. <laughs> oh god my brother's home i hate my brother <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean the same way twilight does it right twilight doesn't introduce uh werewolves i guess yeah and, like at least another prominent love interest because that's what Eric eventually right. does become to, to Sookie later on in the show. I guess thinking of it is just maybe that is too much because there's the whole, it, it I think it's too much of the vampire world to throw at somebody at once. Like, I think it's yeah. too much on their plate to be like, okay, vampires and humans coexist in the same exact world. And <laughs> I believe that with, it's a, a Japanese company, right? That invents true blood. Or later on yeah. in the show, yeah, I think so. yes, yeah, um, and things we don't know yet, yeah. But you know, they synthesize blood, and they can now, you know, live in the world yeah. with. We humans. don't even see like a bottle of true blood in the first. Well, maybe we do in the beginning. In the but it's very stop, yeah. like quick. But it's not really like focused on yet. Before I come back to Eric, did you guys ever try the fake true blood they put out in stores? 
No, I never, I never did. I, <laughs> I didn't even know that happened. I'm pretty sure my best friend still yeah. has his bottle. I had the bottle in my family's fridge for like years <laughs> because I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> um, and not knowing that, you know, now pop figures exist and stuff like that. I was like, this bottle <laughs> that they created from a show is amazing. They, have they made True Blood Pop? Uh, I don't I, know. I was, there's got to be a pop for everything. I'm sure there's a pop of all of us that they're just selling and we don't know. <laughs> um, but it was like offshoot Fanta Mountain Dew. It was gross, <laughs> but it was awesome, you know? Um, but yeah, it's so much on the plate uh, of the vampire world because Eric is so invested in that. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, I would argue later on in the show, Eric becomes like the his character story becomes so much more vital to how the show is going to unfold and kind of wrap up for me. Uh, And, you know, going from the dynamic of, of a human and a vampire being a love interest um, and very much the love interest of Eric and Pam, uh, you know, the maker uh, relationship that goes on in the show is so important um, that, it probably would have been too much just to throw on people's plates, especially being the sheriff of, right. of Area 5 and, and all this stuff in, in a vampire bar called Fantasia, which is the corniest, but also yeah. the best name ever for a vampire bar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I know, yeah, Eric is kind of built up as the antagonist at first. Yeah. Too, so I feel like they needed to build up to him. You couldn't just throw in a random scene at Fantasia, like in the pilot. It wouldn't have worked. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I also, I had a Fantasia shirt. I don't know what happened to it. I got it from like HBO.com or whatever. But I have no idea where it is. I think someone stole it. Yeah, I had a Merlot shirt for a while. Oh, nice. Amazing. I need to get a new one. Plus, like once Eric is introduced too, you get the whole, it's more pronounced now how age is important to a vampire's strength. Because Eric is yeah. like, he's a thousand years old. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, this guy could kill anybody he wants anytime. <laughs> and it, the show would be over. He could just chop everybody's head off and that would be the end of the show. Um, yeah. And, and Bill pales in comparison to to Eric very early on. So that's probably Yeah, why. and you wouldn't want to like, uh, they they don't want to like make Bill seem like a less a less interesting love interest right away, I feel like. Yeah, Since that is like the center of the first season, right? Okay. And Eric is definitely supposed to be like the the other, the antagonist that like definitely interests people. But, um, but yeah, like you said, he's obviously way more way more powerful. And if you added him in the mix too early, it was just like, okay, well, why can't he, you know, solve their rat ray problem, solve all their problems right away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Well, it's like you mentioned, Maddie, is like, uh, I guess, like the power curve, essentially, because you say Bill is strong, he's a right. vampire, but he can still be defeated by humans through these other methods. And they're not, yeah. they're not invincible creatures, um, like we would know from, from most uh, vampire media, um, that going ahead and being like, oh, look at this, it's cute, a, a, a woman... Uh, a waitress and a vampire walk into a mm-hmm. restaurant and they fall in love. Very cute. And also there's this a thousand year old vampire who just looks right. way cooler. His hair. <laughs> I want long it's hair like higher. that. I want to sit on a throne in a bar and be a yep. sheriff. And <laughs> that's what I want in life. And everyone would be like, okay, like when is this going to happen? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also like just too much mythology at once because yeah. then when with with Eric comes Pam and that comes like the maker ties, which becomes really important later, but too much to introduce all at once. That was a good question. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, yeah. So let's all right, we're getting into the end of our show here, but let's take our final break and then I have another important question for you guys uh when we come back. I'll think of a question too, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll be right back. Okay, so what I kept thinking about in this episode, so everything that we know in the rest of the show, looking back at it, of course, it comes up as a question later on of like, did Bill actually love Sookie or was she just a fairy and he was just wanted that? And like, did Sookie ever love Bill or did she just like him because her mind was quiet when she was with him? So do you guys Mm -hmm. think that they had a genuine connection in this first episode, knowing everything that you know now? Because I kept looking at them and I'm thinking like, 
they really like each other for two main reasons. Is there anything beyond that? And I want to say yes, but I'm also kind of cynical about it because I don't love Bill that much towards the end anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't like Bill later either, but no, I think they did. I think they had a genuine connection. Yeah, I think so too. Even though what you guys both just stated, he sucks yeah. <laughs> in the end of the show. I don't, even, yeah. Even halfway through the show, he's even worse sucks. in the books, actually. Oh, oh God. Yeah. He's just very, I cannot trust him. And so I'm, I'm yeah. looking at the first episode very biased. Like the amount of times he asks, What are you? And I'm like, Oh, right. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I do think they, I think they did genuinely love each other, even if it just like wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I do, I think deep down, I do as well. I just don't like. <laughs> well, and yeah. it, this is where it more draws comparisons to Vampire Diaries compared to Twilight. Um, I think that's more of an accurate comparison if you're going to make between any of the, I guess, modern vampire media of our times, uh, especially TV right. shows. Uh, and, and Twilight has to be thrown in there just because it is Twilight. Um, <laughs> is, you know, very much later on in the show, Stefan and Elena takes the backseat to. Uh, Damon and mm-hmm. Elena, and that becomes the main driving show, uh, relationship behind the show, and and Stefan becomes a dick, and the sh- and I credit the Vampire yeah. Diaries because they don't hold back from making Stefan a dick. He is a dick, and that's it for a good portion of the show. Bill flip flops too much for me. It's, yeah, it's too much going back and forth. Although Vampire Diaries, to be fair, a lot of that is because Nina left. Because I know Julie Pleck has said that she would have revisited um, Stefan and Elena had Nina not left the show. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Which makes me wonder, you know, what would have happened if she had stayed until the end. Right. And different in true blood compared to vampire diaries is that we don't get Sookie and Eric for too long. If really at all outside of the fourth season. Yeah. Um, I'm still pissed about that. (laughs) Yeah. Her her love life starts going all over the place. Um, Yeah. Although I did like Austin. I do like him. Same. Yes, agreed. Uh, Alcide is great. Uh, the third season is by far the best of the entire show, in my in my opinion, um, which leads me to my question. Because, <laughs> again, this first season is so grounded. And I also, obviously, Renee is the, the main villain of this of this season as a human. There's a little bit of a, of a human uh, element in terms of the, the antagonist in the second season with the Fellowship of the Sun. Um, but mm-hmm. they're not the, the big bad. They're the, the sub-villain to yeah. the show. Um, for that season. So looking back on it now, uh, which season is your favorite? I think maybe still season one. Really? I want to say season four because that's when we get more Sookie and Eric. But I mean, just out of pure writing, storytelling and all that, I would say season one. Natalie? Uh, I really love season two as well. Um, I I really love the, the Marianne stuff i don't know why i remember watching that when it came out and just being just so, so like mind blown over everything so for nostalgia I too, purposes, but i did not really like tara eggs and all that i just felt like that was so poorly handled yeah yeah i think i mean one to three might be my favorites i also love mm-hmm. in season two evan rachel wood is in that one oh uh, yeah that's I feel like season one is a really, really great introduction. And then season two is like the sequel. That's almost as good as season one of like a movie series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people like season 32, but which I mean, I really like. I like something about all the seasons. I'm one of those people who I have an unpopular opinion, but I really love um, Sarah Nolan, mainly because I love Anna Camp, but I love when she comes back later and she's just so funny to me. <laughs> I thought she was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. Sarah Nolan is one of the, the best characters in the show for sure. Right. Um, yeah. Maybe if I went back and watched them all now, I'd probably have a, a, yeah. a, a deeper enjoyment of one and two because they're more grounded. Um, the, yeah. the best thing about season two and arguably like the best thing about the show, in my opinion, is uh, the relationship that Eric and Godric have. I, yes. I love mm-hmm. that so much and how powerful that is. Um, as a relationship on the show and what that means to him. Like I, I would challenge anybody to find something like more emotional than that scene, because right. that scene for me is just like, 
amazing. Yeah. Just fantastic character uh, portrayal and development, even though Godric is kind um, of just thrown in. <laughs> I do well, love one thing Before we uh, wrap up, too, I feel like we should talk a little bit about, like, Sam and Sookie, because he, like, kind of confesses his love for her in the pilot. Um, like, when she's reading his mind, but it seems like he knows she can read minds. So I'm like, did he do that intentionally or what? <laughs> Yeah, to be honest, I do love Sam just like throughout the show, but in this episode, yeah. he was really creepy. I didn't like him in this episode yeah. just as a standalone. Like it wouldn't play as well if it aired now. Yeah, I feel like everyone would be live tweeting like, this freaking creep, get him off. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which I agreed, I do love Sam, but and I think, yeah, in the book, she ends up with him, I believe. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah, I also didn't love how he like yanked her from the seat to like bring her into yeah. the office or whatever. I was like, oh God, come on, don't. I know I you're know. passionate, but don't do that. Yeah, There's, yeah. I think Sam is a, a good example of like the world becoming too big for itself, and and why it kind right. of falters towards the end. Like mm-hmm. Sam's very much supposed to be the good guy, the the guy that Sookie's going to end up with in in tropes and and television stuff like that right well yeah. no he just becomes a, a shapeshifter who gets too involved with his brother and <laughs> i hated i hate that storyline i hated Same. that storyline like it, yeah. there's so many good characters in this show that don't get the chance to have their their stories fully realized um, Justice for jessica yeah, Jess, yeah. jessica um <laughs> is a top three. I'm sorry, I hate Hoyt when he comes back later. <laughs> oh, he's awful. Yeah, but, but what they did to him is terrible. He's the terrible. ultimate nice guy. Yeah. yeah. In like the worst way, yeah. Um, Jessica is one of my top three characters in the show, so yeah. she needed more time. Um, who I else? loved her and Jason. <laughs> Same. I was so sad they didn't get together at the end. Yeah, that whole thing between the three of them, that love triangle, it just made me so sad, like just so right. heartbreaking. And I mean, I don't want to get, I know like this is way in the end, but the, uh, the chick Violet in like that weird torture dungeon mm-hmm. that I was like, what the hell is going on? I know. Too far. Yeah. That, I guess, yeah, maybe the Jessica Hoyt and Jason scene rivals Eric and Godric a little bit, but like you cry yeah. at that because it's just like, it's just too sad. You know, it's, yeah. it's not like television that we needed. We just needed like, yeah, you're going to, you're going to cheat on the nice guy and then you're going to make him right. forget that it happened. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. This is so sad. Yeah. Um, Sophie so Ann sad. deserved way more time. Um, her character is awesome. Yeah. To mention a little bit about Tara's introduction with her friendship and, and with Sookie in the pilot too. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, I like how they introduced them because it just felt immediately like these are best friends and known each other forever and they can like stay, they can be like harsh with each other and still know everything's okay. Agreed. Yeah. I love how when Tara quit her job, which that whole scene was hilarious. <laughs> amazing. So amazing. Right. She quits her job and then she immediately calls up Sookie and is like, I need a margarita. Like I'm coming over. <laughs> and it's like, all right, these are the two best friends. Like we know immediately yep. how this relationship is. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. when she's like criticizing Sookie for talking to Bill, it's like tough love and it's different than right. Sam because Sam has ulterior motives. Exactly. Yeah. And also Tara like alludes to, her really really sad upbringing too because she mm-hmm. has that like throwaway line about how she was making uh what whiskey sours for her mom since she was yeah. like, in first grade and sam is like jesus okay <laughs> yeah the the awesome thing about tara as well that i want to mention and, and their friendship uh you know you see a lot of media that's like you have your your main character who has the best friend who's a little chaotic has a lot going on you know they're not always the best influence right but mm-hmm despite everything that we know that later comes with Tara's character arc with her mother, uh, her relationship with Lafayette and then uh, her turning and Sam um, and what's her face, the MMA fighter. I can't remember her name. Uh, Oh, I don't remember her name either. (laughs) But she falls in love with an MMA fighter. Um, And like at a point you'd be like, oh, okay, you know, 
she's not necessarily the best influence on her, but that that's not ever established. It's like they trust each other no matter what, which is yeah. awesome. Um, despite, and, and like Suki relates to her, despite having a, a different upbringing, of course, Suki's parents die uh, and she's raised by her yeah. grandmother uh, and, and Tara still has her, her mother, but her, her, God, Letty Mae is one of the most like frustrating, frustrating so frustrating as yeah. in, in television, especially on HBO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I loved Tara and Lafayette's like introductory scene together where they're just like riffing about mm-hmm. that guy. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. yeah. I love her. That's amazing. But, you know, I mean, she's like, yeah, when she jokes that he's going to scare away their customers. <laughs> um, and yeah, final thing on the, the first season, some fun numbers uh, to kind of look at in terms of viewership. The The pilot debuted, uh, and the show didn't have the hype or the traction that, say, A Game of Thrones did when it first premiered. Um, but it grew exponentially uh, as seasons were further produced. The the pilot Strange Love uh, premiered on September 8th, 2008 with 1.44 million viewers uh, and then kind of steadily grew from out there. Um, and then in episode seven, eclipsed 2 million and then carried through that throughout the rest of the of the season over 2 million. And then you, you go and you look at um, season two and compare that uh, premiere to season one. 3.7 million. So you could, the, the first season did its job at, at yeah. getting this thing um, off the ground. And uh, again, I, I love the show and I hate this show. That's just the best way <laughs> to describe it. it. It's like, man, it just, it's just too much. Just too much. I wish, I, I, I wish they just, I don't know, thought about it a little bit more in the writing room, just a little bit, a little bit more. <laughs> Yeah, I think we can say that for all of our favorite shows, probably. (laughs) So in terms of the the pilot specifically, out of 10, what would you guys give it? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I think I'd rate it pretty high. I think it does what it needs to do as a pilot. Um, Probably like an eight or a nine. That's tough. I'm trying to grade it like independent. (laughs) I'm trying to grade it independently of Game of Thrones pilot because like it's a it's a good comparison like true blood was kind of the show on hbo before yeah um and vampire i mean i can't think of any yeah i can't think of anything i would change about the pilot so i feel like i would rate it i should rate it high yeah i would say i think an eight is good you know there are definitely better season premieres uh throughout it like season um season three's premiere is awesome because is it season three? Yeah, Bill goes missing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was like a cliffhanger from the second season. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because that again paralleled the vampire diaries because Bill like goes the right goes off the rails the same time that Stefan does. <laughs> Two shows forever <laughs> interconnected, even though Man, I don't know. I loved I loved my viewing of Vampire Diaries, but True Blood will always will always be that that number one vampire for me. I don't know if I can pick between them because I I like grew up on them on both of them. It's like supernatural for me too. I, those were the shows I watched when I was in high school. So it's like I was, they're like special. <laughs> yeah. No, I only uh, sought out Vampire Diaries when True Blood started to get bad. <laughs> You're like I need more vampires. I've never watched Vampire Diaries. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> I watched it. At that that one I did watch from the very beginning because I had read the books. Oh, nice. Or at least some of them. But I think I would for this premiere. I would give it a nine. I think like it's yeah. almost it's really good. It's not perfect, but yeah. it's really good. Also, the ending is really good. It leaves you wanting more. Like yeah. I was watching it last night, and I was like, okay, I need to watch the next episode. Like yeah. holy hell! Like I know what happens, but I need to watch it. So I would. I just think it a nine. that pilots are extremely hard to get right, and I think yeah. people did it really well, which is why I would rate it so high. Yeah, that's fair. Because there's so much writing on a pilot and there's so much you have to establish that it's easy for them. That's why I feel like you can't judge a show just on its pilot ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. always have to give a show at least, you know, like three episodes. 
Well, then how would you judge Game of Thrones pilot? Because I think that's a 10. <laughs> that, that and Breaking Bad are 10 out of 10 pilots for me. I haven't seen Game of Thrones pilot in a really long time. But yeah, I mean, that was a good pilot too. I mean, obviously, that was a great pilot. But I also think it's a little different on the premium cable shows because I, I don't know if they go through a traditional pilot season like they do on network TV. Yeah. They don't have to. But like, I know on network. Yeah. Much. Network TV pilots are like notoriously bad usually. <laughs> Yeah. Because they're not made for the audience. I mean, they're made for the executive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. I love the pilot. I love this entire show. Like I said, we should, we <laughs> yeah. should really do a whole, I guess, seven long series, just doing a whole right. <laughs> recap and retrospective. And Maddie, if you wanted to join us for that. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be I'm, awesome. I'm already like planning to rewatch it now. Yeah. Especially the box set because I really want to listen to the co- the uh, commentaries. I've never really oh. listened to them before. They, I think they did a round table for season seven with a bunch of uh, yeah. the cast, which was awesome. Like a retrospective on everything. Um, yeah. Well, really, I know some really of the enjoyed. first, like Alan Ball did an audio commentary for the pilot. So I plan to watch that Ooh. and listen to it. And then like, yeah, they have a couple different episodes where they have audio commentary. So I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna listen to those. I love, I love like DVD extras. extras. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can kind of pencil it in. We do have something special to announce for the next three weeks that we're going to do. Um, but I feel like, I feel like we owe it to ourselves to do that. Like, yeah, we'll do it. Plus it's like the perfect summer show. Like I said, yeah. In the yeah. <laughs> plus like I've, for the past like five years, I've sat down every summer, like, I'm going to rewatch True Blood. And then I just go and I watch like season five because I love that season. And I'm like, well, I guess everything that comes before this is not important because I already know. So (laughs) awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Maddie, for joining us. We'll definitely be revisiting True Blood at some point this summer. But I think that this episode was super, super fun to talk about the first episode, which really introduced a lot and introduced several really great characters and set up the show really, really well. So as Max said to everyone listening, we are going to be reviewing the Fear Street trilogy starting next week. Um, I've seen the first one already and it's really, really good. So I'm excited for Max to watch it. So yeah, I'm really jealous you saw the first one. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very, very good. Highly recommend it, but we'll be talking about it on the podcast. Um, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll be back next week with a new episode. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.